Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good morning, Father's House. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. First service was louder. It really was. Thank you. There you go. That's all. I was waiting for you. That's all good. Good to have you here this morning. Do you have your Bibles? Lift them up high. And let's make our statement this morning. As soon as it comes up on the screen, there you go. And by the way, if the rapture happens while you're in church right now, you do want to show up with your invitation. Okay? Here we go. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many are kind of glad of not being the same again? Thank you. Ah, know what that is? Big what? That there's a, yeah. Okay, gentlemen. Oh, no. I wonder how many of you have one of these. You may not be able to see that from where you're sitting. But this is, uh, I call it the inside of a door frame, but I was corrected this morning by our, what is it? It's a door jam. Oh, well, that was, the jams come in little jars. Oh, well. Okay. But this is probably, I've been blessed, over the years, I've been able to gather an awful lot of wonderful things that are treasures to me. This is probably the single most item I have of importance in my home. Okay? I mean, even my motorcycle comes second to this. Seriously. Even Roberta's jewelry comes second to this. Okay, for me. No, 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 in all seriousness. This is a measuring rod. Right here, there's little lines going all the way up. Different lines, different spaces. And each line has a name and an age. Because those are my three sons as we raised them. This was inside the house, the house we had a long time ago. And, and I went and pulled it out when I sold the house. They were a little upset, but they learned to live with it. And I kept it with me. And uh, it's kind of a, it's a gauge of growth. It's how big our children would get. When we would ask our boys, how big are you? They would run over that door and they would point to where they had measured it that year on their birthday. I'm this big, Daddy. I'm this big. You know, and it starts out down here and goes all the way up. You see this one up here? That one says Jason. That's my oldest boy. All the way up there. You know how old it says? 13. Yeah. We stopped wrestling long before that ever happened. Yeah. And did you know that I heard, and this is, this is a, an interesting fact, did you know a baby that's born on their first birthday, they actually triple in weight in that first year? I figured that out. 
that by the age of four, they would be 810 pounds. Seriously, if they tripled all the way through, don't figure it out now, you're supposed to be listening to me. I'm going to see a lot of people going, well, I don't know, don't do that. But this is, this is a measuring rod, and my kids would come up, and they would measure, and they would stand there, and they would be very proud of themselves. And it meant a lot because it not only meant a lot to them, but a lot to me, because it showed that they were growing. I mean, let's face it, plants and, and pets and people, if they're not growing, there probably might be something wrong. So you want to kind of check things out. Well, they were growing. They really grew. And what's nice, even though they didn't become 810 pounds, that did kind of back up a little bit. Their appetite stayed pretty much in that range. How many here have boys? How many know what I mean about the appetite? Oh, yeah, yeah. Three refrigerators. One for you and two that they get to share. So anyway, what we could also do with this is it determined for us how we could trust them and what we could expect from them. Right? Because let's face it, when they reach about this age, right in here, I allowed them the opportunity to take a very sharp lawnmower blade, attach it to a very running lawnmower, and mow the yard. Now, some of you say, you allowed? Yes. And they knew they better do it. Right? Right in here. Where I didn't allow them to do this is when they were up here. That make sense? Because what I expected from these little fellas who later became these bigger fellows, was different by how big they got. Which leads to a question. How big is your God? Because if he isn't that big, then you don't expect much from him. If he's bigger, then not only is he bigger, but you can expect not only more from him, but you also can be expected to live a bigger life. Many times we walk into the battles that we face fearfully because we don't know exactly how we're going to be able to come through them. We don't know who's backing us up. If I asked most Christians today, I would venture to say they would all say they believe in God. And if I asked you how big is your God, you would probably all say, well, he's pretty big. But you really don't know how big he is until you're facing something that you've got to make sure he's big enough to handle. Doesn't that make sense? The growth of God and our children determines the size they are in our eyes. When they're bigger, I, have, I, I give them more, I expect more from them, and I trust them more in doing it. If our God is not big enough, you will not give him the responsibilities he has wanted to take in your life to work through you. It just simply won't happen. The question might be, well, how do you, how do you answer a question? How big is God? Well, he's, you know, he's like bigger than a rock. Probably bigger than this building. How big is he? There's two questions you can ask. And two questions you personally have to answer independently. The first one is, what relationship do you have with God? See, these are the way you're going to find out how big he is. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, then it really doesn't matter. He's only as big as what you worship. And, and what is it you worship? Because you will worship something. Something or someone will always be the Lord of your life. Right now we're seeing political offices being worshipped. You say, oh, no, no, we don't worship them. Sure you do. How much time do you spend 
speaking the name of some politician as compared to the number of times you speak the name of your Lord. Hmm? Have you actually, this week, used His name more than their name in any conversation? Probably not. Trust me, look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, and listen to your words, and you'll see what you worship. That brings us to the second question. The second question is simple. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? Does your life reflect the relationship you have with God? Do people around you know that you're a Christian because you're probably carrying a 48-pound Bible on a big dolly and you've got a fish in the back of your car? Or do they know that you're a Christian because of the life in which you have elected to live? Which one is it? Because we put a lot of little devices, little jewelry, little crosses, little things. We always want everybody to see who we believe in. They ought to see that before they see the reflection of that glitter on your chest. And they'll know how big your God is by the way you allow him to lead your life. Those are the two questions. You answer those two questions, you'll know just exactly how big he is. Because I, I kind of believe right now, we seem to be, we've always been in this place, but we seem to be in a place right now where the world is in chaos. There's just this constant tension that's in existence. And whether it has to do with a, a virus or a cultural issue or, or an economic concern or a political issue, there's this just constant knot that's all tightened up. How many people here will be honest and say, you know what, if I haven't done it yet, or maybe you have, I'm not watching the news again. I'm done. Because you turn it on and you get angry. Am I, am I the only one in the room that does that? No. It just frustrates you to see what's going on in the world. And you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? It's like watching the Super Bowl and telling them, you should have passed it that way. And they just don't do it. You know? There's a frustration that develops because I believe we don't have a we don't have a problem both in the secular world as well as the Christian world. We don't have a problem with belief. We believe in God, and I got to tell you, they do too. Now they may not necessarily believe in the God you believe in, but they believe in a God. The problem we have isn't our belief. The problem we have is our faith. We have a great believism, but we have very little faith in what we believe. Because when it comes right down to it, sometimes we start wondering, is God big enough to really handle our situation? This world is starting to come apart. At least it appears that way. And if it does come apart, well, where is God in all this? He's always there. He's right exactly where he was when his son died on the cross. He's exactly where he, he was and is when you walk through that door. He hasn't gone anywhere. You may ask, well, how, do you, how, do, how can we possibly make God smaller? We can't shrink God. How many know you can't shrink God? Well, you're absolutely right. You can't because he's not going to get smaller. You just get further away. Have you ever noticed how small God gets the further away you get or how anything gets when you start backing up? If your God is looking a little small, maybe you need to get a little closer. There's a story in the Scripture and it's a story that took place before Israel had kings. And it's a story that took place before we had presidents. It's a story in which the land was filled with chaos. The shadow of fear was a pandemic across the land. There was conflict among the people. There was, there was just a constant tension going on. There was fear going on. Pretty much it sounded like what's going on today. 
And it's in the book of Judges. Now, the story I want to read to you is a story you already know. You've heard it a dozen times. You've, you've probably, no doubt, heard it in Sunday school. But I'm going to approach it in a few other ways. It's just some things that I observed. And then uh, maybe if you see them, great. If you don't, that's fine. But what, I really, what I'm after is I want you to start thinking about how big your God is. Because he'll only get as big as you allow him. Think about that. Oh, no, God, God. No, no, he's only going to be as big in your life as you allow him. Because he loves you so much, he's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to walk in like some 9,900-pound bully and start pushing you around. He's just going to be there for you whenever you need him. He's going to be as big as you allow him. Look at chapter 6 in the book of Judges, beginning with the first verse. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. Everything that they did, everything that they had, somebody else wanted. So they started coming in and taking it. That's pretty much where we are today as well. I mean, it's the way we've always been. It's the human nature to always want what somebody else has and you don't. It's just there. Because we think somehow everything else is going to satisfy us. Have you ever noticed, anybody going to have lunch for Sunday this afternoon? Nobody? Well, it's good. It's going to make a lot of restaurants open for me. Do you know after I eat lunch this afternoon, there's a really good chance I'm going to eat supper tonight? I don't know why I ate once. What's the point? I mean, if you eat, if you're going to eat, and some of, us, some of us, myself included, eat like we're never going to eat again, why would we even have to go out and eat again? Well, because we get hungry again. Well, I suppose when we date a drink of water, we probably want another drink sometime. Get a nap today, and probably need to go back to bed tonight. We're never satisfied, are we? You know why? Because we weren't created to be satisfied in this life. This life does not provide for us anything that will fulfill us, and there's always somebody who thinks it will, and they want what you got. Does that make sense? All right. Here we have the same thing happening. The Midianites wanted what the Israelites had. But catch the sixth verse. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, before we go any further, let's look at who we're talking about here. The Midianites are the bad guys. The Israelites are the good guys. These are Israelites. These are people called by God. They are God's people, right? And where are they living? They're in the promised land. They are in the promised land. They are where God brought them to set them free and give them a life of milk and honey. It wasn't until, apparently, the Midianites oppressed them so much, things got so bad, the coronavirus of the sixth, chapter 6 became so strong upon them, they turned and bowed their knee before God and sought his help. Where were they before? These are people who knew God because they heard the stories. He says it, right? He, they knew God They loved God, they served God, but they ignored God. 
because he wasn't big enough to deal with their problems up to that point or their problems weren't big enough to have to call upon him. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a problem the moment you open your eyes because you have a world to deal with, so you might as well start hitting your, your knees and asking God for help right now. They had to wait until they were oppressed. It actually says right there that <clears throat> they were so oppressed, so impoverished, that they cried out for the Lord for help. How far is it going to take us to have to get before we start crying out? The Bible says that when we cry out to the Lord, He will come and heal our land. Well, why hasn't He done it? Well, maybe the first part of the requirement hasn't been met. I mean, that's all I can assume. Look at verses 11 through 12. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in, in Ophrah. And by the way, he didn't come and hang out with Oprah for lunch. He's talking about sitting down under a tree in a city. All right? Sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash at Amersite, where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We oftentimes stop right here and say, Wow, he called him mighty warrior. Can you imagine? How many here would really love to have an angel show up and identify you as something a whole, much, whole lot more than what you really are? Yeah, sure, I would too. Hey, he called me mighty warrior, honey. What do you think, huh? Yeah, you're buying lunch. Yeah, no. <laughs> he comes to a man, and the Lord paints this entire picture so we don't miss the message. He comes to a man who is threshing wheat in a wine press. A wine press. Not a threshing floor. A threshing floor is a very large open area. It's very vulnerable because it has to be open so that the winds would blow across the threshing floor. As you lift the wheat in the air, the wind blows the shaft away, leaving the grain to fall. So what you're getting is you're getting the grain without having to separate all the shaft. Otherwise, you'd be sitting there doing this all day. But it's a big area. It's a very vulnerable area. And where is Midian? Or where is Gideon, rather? In fear of the Midianites? He's in a wine press. And a wine press is a small hole dug into a rock. That's the way they did it back then. It's like making coffee in a thimble. He's down there just trying to make ends meet. You with me? Why? Fear. Because somewhere along the line, he forgot that he had a big God backing him up. We don't want to be threshing in a wine press. We want to get up, go out, and do what God called us to. Oh, by the way, the Bible characters, <clears throat> have you ever noticed that we always have this tendency to see Bible characters? You just do. I think maybe Hollywood had a lot to do with it. But we see Bible characters as like superheroes, you know? We, it, it, I mean, I personally believe that if Hollywood got a chance to make a movie, and they probably have and decided not to, made a movie about Gideon, he would probably look a lot like this right here. Yeah, he'd look like The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, standing just right there. You know, we're, you may not know this, but as you can tell, we're very much alike. <laughs> here he stands, the hero of Gideon. Gideon is the man. He is capable of anything. But you know what? I'm not so certain that if he actually had to play the right part, I think it would be this guy right here instead. Oop. 
How many know who that is? That is, that right there is the mighty warrior of Mayberry. Barney Fife. The man. And his one bullet, which is in his pocket. All right? Now, granted, I, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Gideon was, in fact, a Barney Fife. I'm sure he wasn't. But he also wasn't a Dwayne Johnson, a rock, either. He was just a guy. He was just a guy trying to make ends meet. He was just a guy being oppressed or pressured or coming down upon by the things that are taking place in the world around him. And he did whatever he thought he could do in order to feed his family. Look at verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are all of his wonders that, that our fathers told us, told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Let me ask you, in all honesty, say, a, say an angel, an angel showed up and looked at you right in the eye and said, the Lord is with you. How would you respond? Really, what would you do? It probably never crossed your mind. Well, it could. It might happen. What would you do? Fall down on your face? Worship? Praise God? Would you start singing praises to him? Would you start praying and thanking the Lord that he is with you? How, how would you respond to that kind of dynamic presence sharing with you that kind of incredible message? Well, look what Gideon did. He did what most people with a small God do. He doesn't thank you that the Lord is with me. Praise God he's here. No, no, no. He turns around and says, wait a minute, I've got a few questions about this God that you're talking about because I don't think he's that big. That's exactly what he's doing here. Whoa, wait a minute. Didn't the Lord? You get the sarcasm in that? The angel says, the Lord is with you. And he responds, well, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? I mean, but where is he now? What an attitude. He'd get angel slapped. <laughs> he should have been. No, 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 no. What he does is he turns around and he starts questioning how big is this God that you say is with me? Why are you questioning? The angel should have responded, but didn't. He simply said, mighty warrior. Oh. There's an interesting grammatical point that I found in this text. <clears throat> that grammatical point is this. That when the angel spoke to Gideon and said, Gideon, the Lord is with you, in the Hebrew, that is a statement, a clear, defined statement of a second-person singular. He is saying this. The Lord, Gideon, is with you specifically. He didn't say it was with you. I'm with you. I am here, and I'm telling you, Gideon, the Lord is with you. Take your hand. Go work with me on this. Take your hand. Point, point towards heaven. Now turn it and aim it right here and say, say this with me. The Lord is with me. And what that is saying is he didn't say with winds. 
with me. But look what Gideon does. He changes it to the second person plural. And six different times in one verse, he uses the word us. Six times in one verse. He simply stepped aside and made it a group event. And God said, I didn't come to make a group to defend Israel. I came because you, Michael, are going to defend Israel. Period. Now you can say, wow, wow, can you imagine that with Gideon? He's doing that with you. Why did he allow you to have breath this morning? So that you could go to work again and do the same old thing that you don't like? Mow the yard, pull the weeds, play a little golf, in which you also are just a really incredible gifted at? I've never met anybody gifted there. So, I mean, why did God give you breath? Because he has a purpose for you today. He has something more than the routine of eating breakfast, grabbing lunch, eating supper, watching a movie, listening to politics, grabbing somebody else, go to bed and just lay down and sleep until tomorrow comes and do it all over again. No, he gave you life to use today. You are breathing in what God has measured for you for this day for it to be used. But you need to know he's big enough to back your play. You have to know that. Because if you don't, you won't. You won't, you won't make that play. It'd be like it'd be like standing on that front line of Raider football and all of a sudden you look around and everybody decided your defense line is going to be gone and you, they hand you the ball. And you're just there by yourself. No. No, you're not by yourself. You have a great big God with you. The angel said, Gideon, it is specifically for you. And why did, what did Gideon do by doing that? Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that when people have complaints, concerns, uh, objections, judgments, or whatever, you ever notice the first thing they do? They'll point and they'll say, we believe. We know everybody's saying, well, we think. Well, and when you stop and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, who's all the we? Well, there's just a lot of us believe this. Oh, well, who are they? Well, I can't say. I promised I wouldn't say. Oh, yeah, great, Okay. Hey, I've been a pastor 35 years. I've gotten that message many times. Well, pastor, we really think that the music is too loud and the ceiling is too high and the floor is too short. and Just all these things. Okay, uh, is this your feeling? Oh, no, no, no. We all feel this way. Oh, really? <laughs> well, let's get everybody in here. Well, I don't know who they are. You know, the best way you can avoid your responsibility is make it a we problem and that way it's a they problem. No, it's a you problem. Whatever God has called you to, it's up to you. And we have all in this room, definitely the one talking to you right now, has been called by God to make a move and have stepped back thinking, eh, I don't know if I can because I forgot how big that God was that was calling me to do the job. Look at verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the... Now notice, it isn't the angel now. Now it's the Lord. You with me? You hear the angel speak, and now you're hearing the Lord speak. And the Lord turned to him and said, and when he says turn to him, I'm wondering if, I kind of pictured, maybe God decided, okay, I'm done. Well, wait a minute. Listen. I don't know. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God did not take Barney Fife and put him into a really cool machine 
and then stick a bunch of diodes and lights and gas and all that kind of stuff in it, and then everything sparks and pops and crackles, and then it opens up and out come Captain America. You know, that skinny little guy went in, and a great big guy with muscles came out. Now, he didn't do that with Gideon. He didn't give Gideon any more strength. He didn't give Gideon any more wisdom. He didn't give, give Gideon any more power or influence. He did not give Gideon anything, not even a promise. He simply told him, I want you to go in the power that you have. You know what he's also saying? Because I don't want a new and improved Gideon. I don't want a different Gideon. I want the Gideon that I have. Have you ever noticed, you ever go to a store and on the shelf is whatever it is you buy and on the cover it says new and improved? Ever see that? How can anything be new and improved? And if it is new and had to be improved, I don't know if I'd want it. But it's always says new and improved. He didn't do that with Gideon. He simply told Gideon, it is in the power and the strength in which you have, and I will call you to fulfill that. Well, yeah, but taking on a whole army, a whole, a whole nation, I don't know if I can do that by myself. <laughs> I'll send eh, a couple, two, three hundred with you. Now, he doesn't say that yet. He tells him later, which is quite a surprise to Gideon, I'm sure. But he was willing to go out under the strength that God had provided. You know, I'm talking to people this morning that had gifts and talents but simply aren't using them because they're not sure they should or can. That's really sad because the world could change if you just simply made a difference around your world. Look at verse 15. But Lord, Gideon, <coughs> but Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. This is what we call entering into the world of resignation. He's stepping in going, ah, you know what, I really did want to give to the missions, but I can't because I don't have enough. Well, you know, I, I really did want to, I wanted to help, but my back's been bothering me lately and I can't, you know. You know, I really, I really had uh, hopes on being able to tell this person about the Lord, but I'm not, I've never really been able to find the opportunity, and besides, they probably wouldn't listen to me anyway. You know, he made an excuse for himself. And he said, I'm just too weak. I can't do that. And God simply said to Gideon, I don't care. He did. I have a calling for you, and you will move. Well, no, yes, yes. You will stop threshing in a wine pit, and you will get up and go to work for me. Resignation is not enough. Look at verse 16. Go, Gideon. Your natural charm, your incredible bravery, your wonderful strength, your good looks are utterly sufficient for the task ahead. No, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. He didn't say, we will do it together. Did you get that? I went and checked that out. That's not what he's saying. God didn't say, we will do it together. What he said is, you will do it to them all together. Uh, wait a minute, wouldn't you like to take the lead here, Lord? I already have. Go. How many of us live a life like that? How many of us have chosen to worship a God that's smaller than the God who wants to be in your life? Hmm. There's a movie I saw a while, some time back, called Bear. Maybe you've seen it. I pulled a few clips out. I'd like you to check this out, and you'll get a good idea of what I'm talking about, about being able to change your attitude and be bolder in the battle when you know, or at least 
someone who is much bigger than the problem is standing behind you. Watch this. We have a God that's much bigger than a grizzly. In fact, he makes them. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of gift? You do. He's just standing behind you. I, I want to I close, but I want you to hear something. Life is always going to throw stuff at us bigger than we think we can handle. That's just what life does. I believe God allows those things to take place to create within us a strength and a dependency upon him. I don't understand. I, do, I, I cannot get my head around how anyone can live in this world today, probably any other day, but I live in this one, and today, and not have the understanding and the faith that the God behind them is big enough to handle their problems. They don't have the the peace that Jesus Christ can bring into our hearts when he takes residence. To have a Holy Spirit that is walking with us every moment, every minute of the day, and guiding us and assuring us that we are covered, we are backed by Almighty God. And where do you go when you're not really certain you have a God big enough? 
behind you. Jesus Christ came and died to bring you freedom and salvation. And the freedom comes with like that little bear with an attitude change that says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. That's not I can do all things and know Christ or believe in Christ or even have faith in Christ. It is all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to pray for you in a moment and I'm going to ask you a simple question. Have you failed to stand when God told you to stand because you didn't feel you were worthy or capable? I'm here to tell you, you're not. Gideon could not fight that battle alone without God. Gideon would never have been recognized by anyone as a leader without God's opening the door and have his calling upon his life. You are Gideons. And until we wake up to that fact, nothing is going to change. The world around us will deteriorate and die an ugly death. You want to make a difference? Just make the difference in the world around you. Because God is calling you to that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. And Lord Jesus, I ask that as you open the the pathway for us to enter into the very kingdom of God and do so boldly on a road paved by your blood. I ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move right now at this moment across this room and touch everybody here. Bring to us, Lord, an understanding, a grasp of the truth that we do not fight our battles alone. We do not stand confronted without a strong backing. And you have called us to move and enter the fight. Give us a boldness in the battle, Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you have and, well, you've been playing church for a long time and it's time to maybe man up a little bit or woman up a little bit and recognize there's more to your walk in God than simply going to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to walk outside that mission field equipped and ready and I want to pray for you. If you're here and that's you, or maybe, uh, maybe you just know that you need a little more, uh, little more of what that little bear had. And that's the love of a strong and powerful father. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all? Yes. Anyone at all? Yes. Then I'm assuming, ladies and gentlemen, that you are walking well with a big God. And I praise that. Father, as we now come and close our time, I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you will empower each of us and bring someone into our lives. Maybe they're already there. That we've put aside our responsibility because we didn't think it would be time or worthy or accepted. Help us, Lord God, to step out and make the change in that life with our words, with our life, and let the world see whom we believe and who backs our play. In Jesus' name, and your church says, Amen. Is God good? Is God good? Some of you aren't sure of the other half of that. Is God good? Let me say that one more time because only three people over here heard it. We ask, is God good? He's not only going to be good once in a while or when you need him or when things get bad. He's going to be good all the time. Is God good? 
I want you to say that every morning when you wake up and every night when you go to bed because you have to be reminded you got a big God behind you. Stand for you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.